just excited for all that God is doing in and through River Ridge. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to be a blessing um, to kids learning to read on the west side uh, and to kids in Haiti that don't have enough food to eat, that we get to be a blessing to them. Thank you for the part that we get to play. And guys, we look into your word today. I pray that you would teach us, that you would help us to number our days, help us to see the things that you want us to be doing, the things that you don't want us to be doing. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start out by reading to you a couple verses from Psalm 90. It says this, it says, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may gain or that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so this verse uh, has really meant more to me in the last kind of 11 days uh, than it had previously, because 11 days ago, I hit a major milestone. I turned 50. And, uh, and so turning 50 kind of made me think about my life and where life is going. And um, you know, one of the things I mentioned this to some of you last week uh, is that I have now a large print Bible, which makes it easier to read. And, and I realize it's not that the words are hard to read in another Bible. It's like those verse numbers, they're like itsy bitsy. So this one, they're a little bit bigger. So, uh, and the other thing turning 50 that I recognize is uh, like my body is breaking down. Like, I've been going to physical therapy for this problem in my back, and you know that I've sat for some sermons uh, over the past couple of months, and I have been to more physical therapy in the last six weeks of my life than the previous, you know, 49 and a half years of my life. It's just the body is breaking down. And so I have um, joined with my dad, who is 89 years old, with his phrase of, getting old ain't for sissies, so. Um, but, you know, the other thing about turning 50 uh, and, and by the way, like when I looked at people who were 50, I thought they were really old. And now I'm that. I'm like, I don't feel as old as I thought they were. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing, but I think when you, whether you hit 50 or whatever milestone it is, that you begin to think about your life and, and what is life's purpose and how am I spending my days and, and those types of things. And so that's why this verse, Psalm 90, really kind of popped out of me. Consider our days, 70, maybe 80, so I'm kind of getting closer to the end, definitely closer to the end than I am to the beginning, and teach us to number our days. Because as I think about my life, I want my life to count for something. And one of the neat things that happened on my birthday is I had a whole bunch of letters and emails from people who were just encouraging to me about how I had impacted their life, how I had invested in their life. And it made me think about, okay, the next season of my life, how do I want to continue to do what God wants me to do? And so he says, and the psalmist says this prayer, and I say it too, and I want you to say it as well. You know, we are limited in our time, so teach me to number my days. But here's the problem that many of us face when it comes to time, is that we feel overburdened. We feel over-scheduled. We feel over-calendar. We feel over-busy. We feel like, man, I have so much to do in my life that I end up stressed out because I don't have enough time to do all that I feel like I have to do or all that I want to do. There's too much stuff to do and not enough time to do it, whether it's things that come up because of work, whether it's kids being involved in activities, and we just get overwhelmed, and that overwhelmingness of time causes us to get stressed out in our lives. 
And so the title this morning of the message is Give Me a Break. It comes from that 80s TV show of now. Give me a break, I sure deserve it. Sing along if you know. Wanna make it to the... No, nobody, just me. All right. Okay, how about Kit Kat Bar, right? Give me a break. Give me a break. All right, well done, well done. So, but we get to that point where it's like, just give me a break. I'm going from here to here to there to there to here to here to there to there, and we need a break. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. How do we manage all the time demands in our lives? And if you've been around River Ridge for a while, you know that this is a topic that we hit on from time to time, and we hit on it with a fair amount of frequency. And so if you're one of the few people that are like, man, I got the whole time thing figured out, got plenty of time to do everything I want to do, you don't have to listen. But for the rest of us, we need to take a look and say, how do we spend our time? And I really think that this is a great message for everybody, no matter who you are, whether you're uh, you know, a strong follower of Christ or a new believer, not even a Christian, but to look at our time and say, how do we spend our time and what does God say about it? Because it's kind of like you know, with our cars, you know, there's routine maintenance that you do in your car. You take it in, you get your oil changed, you get the belts checked, you get the timing stuff, the spark pluggy things, I mean, all that type of stuff. There's regular maintenance. And you lift up the hood and you look under there and you say, what needs to be done? Are you... I can't do that, but a mechanic can do that, right? And they say, okay, what needs to be done? And so this morning, what I want us to do is to lift up the hood of how we spend our time and say, how are things going? Are they going in a good direction? Are they going in a bad direction? For some of us, as we look at this, it may mean we just need a little bit of course correction, maybe change a few things here, change a few things there. But for some of us, it may mean a sharp right turn. Like, I've been going this way, I need to go a totally different direction, or a 180-degree turn. But to take the time and to examine it and to look at that. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And as we do this, as we look under the hood of our time, I want us to see sort of two things that kind of why to do this. One is, or one of the reasons to do this is because we run at a pace of 100 miles an hour, and we just need to get our sanity back. And so that's a reason to look at our time and how do we spend it and make adjustments. But the other part of it, and this is kind of the grander picture, comes from what we see in Psalm 90 is that we want to look and say, I want to spend the days that God has given me for God's purpose. And so I need to examine my life and how I spend my life and my time and then make those adjustments. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, you can actually um, look at one on your River Ridge app or there are some out in the lobby at the Welcome Center that you can grab on your way out. So this is Ephesians 5. And I'm just going to read uh, three verses, beginning in verse 15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the first thing we do is it says, look carefully. We want to examine the time that we spend in our lives. And here's the question I want to pose to you. As you think about how you spend your time, kind of think through your day, think through your week, how much of what you do are things that you choose to do? You say, I want to be doing this, or I want to be doing that. And, and how much of the things that you do in life are more out of obligation? Well, I have to do this, but I don't like it, or I have to do that. How much of what you do in your life is because of your choice or because of choices that other people are making for you. 
but to look carefully at that and say, how do I spend my time and why do I spend the time that I do doing the things that I do? That's part of the examination process. Then there's this phrase that says, the days are evil. And we talked about this in our Second Timothy series in Level Up about the godlessness. But the fact is, we look around at our law at the world around us, and the days are evil. I mean, there's a lot of difficult stuff out there. There's big things like you know, sex trafficking and drug abuse and, and you know, all that kind of world poverty type of stuff. And then there's things that are closer to home of people that we know that don't know Christ. There's difficulty in our own lives and difficulty in other people's lives. And we can see the days are evil. And so Paul is challenging the Ephesians and challenging us saying, what are you going to do with that? He has this next little phrase. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. So he's saying, we have time. Examine your time. Look carefully at how you spend your days, how you walk. Be wise about it. Don't be foolish. And then he says, and understand what the Lord's will is. Putting these two things together, we say, there's difficulty out there. There are struggles that people have. And so how are you going to spend your time that God has given you to be a part of building God's kingdom? a part of changing other people's lives? That's the question that he's asking. Now, we're talking about time. We're talking about doing God's will. But yeah, we started a few minutes ago and say, I'm kind of overwhelmed already. And so does that mean that you're going to add more stuff to do? Because if I add more stuff, that's not going to make me less busy and less overwhelmed. It seems like it's going to make me more overwhelmed, more stressed out. And so here's what I want us to understand when we talk about understanding the Lord's will and making an impact is this simple phrase, is impact is not about more, impact is about focus. So we're not talking about necessarily adding a bunch of stuff to your life to be a kingdom impactor, but it's about being more focused. Now, if you think about all the people in the world who've ever lived, who is the person that has had the greatest impact on the world the world over. Who's the person that had the greatest impact? You're at church. Yeah, Jesus. You're at church. You know that's probably the answer. Yes, Jesus, right? <laughs> but here's the thing about Jesus, is Jesus did not live his life at 100 miles per hour like we do. How fast did Jesus live his life? Three miles per hour. That's how fast Jesus lived his life. Three miles per hour. That's the walking speed of a person. That's how he lived his life. Now, if you think about walking life at three miles per hour, some of you who came in here overstressed, overburdened, overbusy, overcalendered, overscheduled, over, you're going, wow, three miles an hour seems awfully nice just to walk at that pace. Now, for some of you, and this is probably me in this other category, who is more of a doer and achiever. I want to get things done. I want to build things. I want to start things. I want to get things moving. Three miles an hour sounds really slow. It's like I kind of want to pick up the pace from three miles per hour. But you look at the pace that Jesus lived his life, and he lived it at three miles per hour. I want you to listen to this promise that Jesus gives. This is in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Now, here's the thing, that this promise 
It's not a supernatural thing for the most part. Sometimes it can be, but it's not a come to Jesus and now like getting from here to Southridge, you're going to hit all green lights. God, thank you, Jesus, right? It's not that sort of supernatural thing where now instead of you know, needing eight hours of sleep, you only need six hours of sleep. It's not that type of thing. It's a promise. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then look what it says next. The next two verses are the how-to of having that rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about being yoked to himself. So a yoke at this time, was a, it was a, a, it's called a double yoke, and it kept an oxen and an oxen together, and they would plow a field together. And oftentimes, they would take an experienced or a veteran oxen, and they put them next to a, a, an ox that was new to plowing, and they would learn to walk at the right pace. But the two ox always had to walk together. It didn't work if one went fast and one went slow. It would turn the plow. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, come and be yoked with me. Walk at the speed of life that I walk the speed of life. I want to walk with you through life, but we need to go at my speed, at my pace, as we walk through life. And so what we're going to do for the next last about 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes, is I want us to look at a snapshot of Jesus' life, kind of two different snapshots, and we're going to see three things here. And I want us to see what is the pace that Jesus traveled at, and then how can we travel at that pace with him. So turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And as we look at the pace of Jesus, here's what we're going to see. We're going to, first of all, see that this is how we can reduce the stress in our lives because we're traveling at his pace. But we're also going to see this is how I can have maximum input because I'm traveling at the pace of Jesus and not at my own pace. So this is Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 35, says this. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, he, that's Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So it says that Jesus gets up early in the morning, goes out while it was still dark, he finds some time by himself, and there he prays. Here's the first part of walking at the pace of Jesus, that Jesus began his day with his father. He began his day with his father. In Jesus' case, he got up a little bit early. He got away from everybody else, and he began his day with his father. And I want to encourage you to begin every day with Jesus, to get up a little bit earlier, 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier. Get some time by yourself. Pray, read God's word, just spend some time in silence. But whatever it takes, spend those initial days Initial, excuse me, those initial minutes with God. And again, remember we, we said we want to kind of ease the burden of our lives of being overscheduled, and it feels like I just added something to it, doesn't it? Well, I had all, I, my day was full, and then you just said do 15 minutes doing something else. But here's the thing is doing this will order our days. Remember it says teach us to number our days. When we meet with our Heavenly Father first thing in the morning, that's what we're doing. 
We're saying, I'm giving my first few minutes to God so that he can order my day, so that I can have the impact for him that I want, so that I can say yes to the right things and no to the right things, and I'm doing that first thing, and that will create space in your life. That will create margin. That will reduce the stress, but also help you to have the impact that you want and that God wants you to have in your life. Now, before we go on and read what comes next, I actually need to go up, and I want us to see what happened the day before Jesus got up early to pray. And by the way, it says it here, there's a pattern that we see at all different places in the New Testament where Jesus takes time by himself in the morning and goes and prays. This is just one of those examples. But here's what happened the night before, going up to verse 32. It says, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out demons. So ministry, <clears throat> excuse me, ministry was going well. He's in this town, <clears throat> excuse me. He's in this town, and they're bringing all these people to him. And he's healing, he's casting out demons, he's healing diseases, he's probably having conversations, he's teaching them. All this great stuff is happening. And then he goes to bed, he gets up early. And he goes and he spends time with his heavenly father in prayer. And then here's what happens next. Verse 16. And Simon and those who were with him searched for Jesus. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And listen to what he says next. And he said to them, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. You can just picture this conversation. Simon comes to him and says, man, ministry is going great. Come on back. We got people lined up. We got a healing line here. We got a demon cast out line here. We got people who want to hear some stuff over here. Man, we, let's go. We got great ministry happening today here at this town. And Jesus says, nope. It's time to go to the next town. Why would Jesus do that? Because ministry was going good here. It was going well. But Jesus says, nope. It's time to go to the next town. And here's why. It's because Jesus was in the habit of saying no to the good in order to say yes to the best. Was ministry good there? Yeah, it was. But the best was yet to come. He couldn't stay there indefinitely. And that is so true of our lives as well. That if we're going to create the margin that we need in our lives, we're going to create some sanity in our lives, we're going to create the impact in our lives, it's going to require focus. It's going to mean saying no to some things that are good, in order to say yes to what is best. And here's the interesting thing about this, is sometimes the best stuff doesn't get into our lives first. The best stuff kind of comes along, and we need to rearrange stuff in order to put the best in there. And uh, I kind of have a visual picture of this from my own life. A number of years ago, when we were going to Michigan on vacation, we had uh, four kids who were between zero and 10 years old, and a dog and a minivan, and we needed to get 10 hours away, which took 14 hours with those kids, to Michigan, right? And so, and I know, you know, we're full. We have just have Ben at this point. Um, he's like probably six months old, seven months old. And I'm like, okay, here's the plan for the family. I want you to bring out everything that we need, everything that we need to go in this van, and then I'm going to pack the van. And so I'm looking at all this stuff, and this is like living Tetris, right? I'm packing stuff in. I've got suitcases and shapes and things and you know, baby toys and balls and, and everything. And I've got a place for, you know, the, the four kids, Stacy and I. And then the dog, like, 
the dog can only go in frontwards and like it's going to have to back out at the rest stop. I mean, that's how tight this thing is packed. So the, the van is packed. I'm like, we are golden. And then Stacy comes out and she brings this ginormous baby swing out. I'm like, there's no room for this swing in the minivan. We cannot take this. She goes, we have to take this. Like, Ben will not fall asleep in a crowded house unless we have a swing for afternoon naps. We have to take this. And I'm like, okay, because the swing, in my analogy, is the best. Like, it, we got to have it. And so I take everything out of the van, not everything, but most, you know, a lot of stuff out, and I break the swing down as far as, and I, you know, repack the van. But that had to be included because it was important. I can't remember if I left stuff at home or we packed better around it. But it's this idea that, we need to rearrange our lives so we can do what is best. That baby swing was a necessity for vacation for us. And there are things in our lives that are necessities, and we need to uncrowd our lives and make sure the most important things are in there. And there's a lot of good stuff that we want to do, but it's not the best. You know, we want to take on new projects at work. We want to volunteer on this board. Our kids want to be in lots of activities, and those are good activities. And we want to work out. We want to, you know, go on vacation. We want to travel for the day. We, there's things that we want to do that are good, but we need to evaluate, are they the best? And I want to give you a little phrase here um, that I think is helpful for trying to figure some of this stuff out in a practical way, just a principle that works. And it comes in, in, in a sense from Psalm 90, uh, but the phrase is this, in light of blank, what is the wise or what is the best thing to do? In light of blank, and I'm not going to fill in the blank for you, but, but kind of what you would put in the blank is, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my goals and my vision for myself and my kids and my family and, and for what God wants for us, in light of that, what is the best thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? And then you take that blank and you say, well, what goes in that blank? Well, in light of the fact that we have two kids in diapers, in light of the fact that I want my relationship with God to be more important than any other relationship, in light of the fact that I have teenagers and they're kind of struggling right now, in light of I'll be traveling all next week, so what does that mean for this week? In light of the fact that I'm going to be out four nights this week, what does that mean for my time? In light of, I want us to eat dinner as a family. In light of, I'm a single parent. In light of, what are the circumstances that you're in right now? And so in light of that, and everybody's circumstance is different. Everybody's life situation is different. But in light of that, what choice am I going to make? What choice does God want me to make about my time? It's going to be saying no to some things that are good in order to say yes to some things that are the best. We could take the final lesson um, from Jesus' life and his pace of life from a bunch of different places, but we're actually sticking the book of Mark and Mark chapter 5 and uh, verse 23. And here's the situation. There was a man whose name was Jairus, and he was kind of a big deal, and he was the head of a synagogue. And so he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you heal my daughter? She's very, very sick. And so Jesus goes with Jairus, um, and this is what he said to Jesus. He says, verse 23, he says, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well. And it says, and Jesus went with him. And then it says, and here's what happens. A great, fo- a, crowd, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. 
Now, so Jesus is walking with Jairus to go heal his daughter, and this huge crowd gathers around. And what happens is this woman comes up, and she touches Jesus' garment, his robe, because she has faith that if she can just be that close to Jesus, then she can be healed. And her problem is that she's been bleeding for 12 years, uncontrolled bleeding for 12 years. If I can just touch his garment, then I'll be healed. And she does that, and she is, in fact, healed. But this is what Jesus says. It says, And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And so then Jesus has this conversation with this woman. And he finds out about her story and all the doctors that she's visited and, and, just, and, and gives her the time or tells her that your faith has healed you and that she can go in peace. He takes time for this conversation. Meanwhile, Jairus' daughter goes from bad to worse. And then he goes on and then he heals Jairus' daughter. But here's the thing that's really interesting to me and I love about this story is that this woman was an interruption. Jesus had a plan. I'm going from here to there to heal Jairus' daughter. But for Jesus, Jesus let interruptions be opportunities. He let interruptions be opportunities. And this is one example of this. It happens. You read the Gospels, and all the time, Jesus has more ministry on the way to do ministry than he does when he gets there a lot of times. He, was letting, he let the interruptions be opportunities for ministry. And that's part of what it means to walk at the pace of Jesus, to walk at three miles an hour. We're not so hurried and rushed that we're looking to the next thing and the next project, the next task, the next finish line, the next to-do list, the next deadline, but that we can slow down enough to take time for people and let interruptions be opportunities. And I'm not real good at this. Like, I'm, kinda, I'm pretty task-driven, and I want to get something done. I've got some deadlines that I set for myself, and interruptions come in, and they are interruptions, and it takes consciously for me saying, i got to be like Jesus and take time for people. And I had a good, and I, again, I don't always get this right, but I got this right a couple of months ago. And I was at tennis practice with the UC tennis team and did some stuff, and I was on my way back home, and I had some stuff I needed to get done there that I wanted to get done. But there was a guy that was just not doing well. And so I said, hey, why don't you ride with me? I'll give you a ride back to campus instead of riding with the guys. And so I drove him from the tennis courts back to campus. And we sat in my car for about 30 or 40 minutes. And he just shared the struggles that were going on in his life. And we talked a little bit about faith stuff. But it was really more just me being a listening ear to him and what was going on. And I was able to do that because it was not an interruption it was an opportunity for relationship. It was an opportunity for the gospel and for planting a seed. And I would challenge that with you, challenge you with that. How do you view the interruptions in your life? Are they interruptions? Or are you traveling at a speed that's slow enough that an interruption, instead of being a distraction to what you're trying to get done, can be viewed as this is an opportunity from God for me to do something that God wants me to to do, that God has put in my life. But we're all limited in the number of days that God 
gives to us. We do not have an infinite number of days in our lives. We do not have an infinite number of days in our week or our month or our year. And so how do we spend our days? Came across uh, a great video which illustrates this with jelly beans. So these are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years, 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying? instead of doing something that you love. What if you just had one more day? What are you gonna do today? Does that make anybody else hungry for some jelly beans? So when you leave here in a minute, uh, we have four tables set up and they each have a bowl of jelly beans on them and a little cup next to them. And what I want you to do is I want you to just take a cup, scoop a few jelly beans, four, five, 10, a whole cup, whatever you want. Um, and I just want you to take those jelly beans with you as a reminder. You can keep them in your pocket or eat them or whatever you want to do with them. But to remind you and to remind us that our days are limited. We only have so many jelly bean days in our lives, so to speak. And what are you going to do with it? Are you going to live it in a way that you're focused on your impact for God? Are you going to throw it away? Are you going to figure out how to do life with it? Are you going to travel at the speed of Jesus or at your own speed? But I want us to have this understanding that God has given us a limited number of days, and what does he want us to do with them? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to be your servants on this earth, and that you give us time to do the things that you want us to do. God, I pray that you would teach us to number our days. No matter how many days we have left in this life, Lord, 
Let us use them to the glory of you to impact the kingdom of God. Help us with this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you go, I um, want to let you know, if you want to come to Discovering River Ridge, it's about 10 minutes long in the starting point room. I will be there to help you with that. Uh, otherwise, say hello to somebody and grab some jelly beans on your way out. Thank you.